Due to the video nature of this podcast, I recommend joining us at edtech10.nationaltrail.us or our YouTube bit.ly edtech10. Hi, and welcome to 10-Minute EdTech Teaching with Online Assessments. Today we're going to talk a little bit about using online assessments and why it's better to use online assessments and how I use online assessments. And the activity we use for online assessments is called the quiz activity. I use it for short cycle assessments, formative assessments, blended learning, integration, and summative assessments. In all those assessments, I also make blended learning assignments so that those students who might be sick at home might need intervention, have those available to them as well. And I'm gonna show you how I do that today. So how do I do it? Uh, basically, I already have assessments set up in every section of my class. This is the chapter three power supply activities and I have seven short cycle assessments already built into my class. Uh, and the way I use those is I personally use um, Smart Notebook to teach out of. You could use Google Slides, you could use PowerPoint however you teach, but in my setup, I already have a big red slide in there. And when I get to this big red slide, it's saying, hey, stop right here and have your students do a short cycle assessment. I practiced these once to make sure it worked out that none of these go too long. And that's where I stop and say, okay, we're gonna do this short cycle assessment, this activity, this additional reading, I stop talking to my students, stop normal front of the class instruction at that point to do other things. So what does that look like? In this instance, I'd say stop. Hey, right now we're gonna go do the chapter 3.3 activity. What the power supply, what does the power supply do? And in our case, in our LMS, the rest of that stuff is all hidden from the student. They can only see as far as we are in the class. So I may have a bunch of stuff in the chapter three section of our online course, but they can only see to where we're at right now. So when we do that assessment, I get immediate feedback. And in the case of this one, this is the immediate feedback I got right after I taught it and they did the activity and I'll show you what the activity looks like in just a second. Um, I got this feedback uh, and it told me I went too fast, I covered it too briefly, I didn't get through to my students what I wanted to, because as you can see on question number two, only 21% of my students got it right. That is, in my opinion, a failure on my part, not on a failure on my students' part. Uh, it's one thing if one or two students don't catch what you said, but when 70 plus or 70% uh, of my students don't, don't catch it, I don't wanna proceed forward, right? So as I look at these numbers, looks like around 70% of my students got some of the material, but only 21% got that. And, you know, they could have guessed too. We don't know, right? So it lets you have that opportunity to stop and look at, okay, what were, what did I go over? What can we talk about now? What did they not do, take notes on? And I'll stop and I'll go back and I'll re-instruct those points, answer questions. And then my students take the same assessment again. When they took it again, you can see that three of the four questions, 100% of my students got right, but one of them, we're still at 84%, that's way better than 21%. Uh, and I might see if, oh, everybody got that, this one thing, not everybody got, talk about it maybe one more time before I head forward in my class. And that's the idea of those short cycle assessments, to stop me, pause, see what the students got what we were talking about or what the reading was or what the activity was before I just move forward in my class. 
These short cycle assessments are, in my case, always three to five questions. Never less than three, never more than five, um, to see and uh, how we look and what we're looking at right there in the course. Through the use of uh, using Moodle quiz activity, I built a huge question bank. This is the question bank just for chapter three. You can see there's 70 questions in there right now, just in this one category. Um, and if you can read it, the beginning of all the questions say three dash something. So in the case of the very first one up there, it says three dash zero one, meaning it's chapter three, indicator one. So I have six questions that looks like from uh, indicator one, and then I have another six questions from indicator two. The idea of putting that at the beginning of my questions then also allows me to see additional data of what indicator is it my students are having problems with uh, understanding before we move on to that summative phase as I work through the instruction. It also allows me when I build my summative evaluation to make sure I'm hitting all my indicators. I tell my kids that if it's worthy enough to be taught you know, on my indicator list, I should also be evaluating you on that indicator as well. And if, if a question doesn't correspond to an indicator, I shouldn't be evaluating it. I also make sure all these things fit inside the blended learning model so that I kind of try to hit all the UDL things and all these as well so that my students have different ways to absorb my, my lessons. So in the basics of these, all of them are considered mini lectures, mini lessons. I don't ever go past 15 minutes. Okay, so this is what 3.3 looks like. If the student looks, clicks on this, the top of it up here is the actual what they get to. 3.0 is the one I'm on right now. It says power supplies. This that I'm standing in front of is the video for the lesson that I just did today. Uh, I have it pre-recorded and on there so that if a student is quarantined, homesick, uh, they can just go to this one and watch the instruction that I just gave. They can also rewatch it. It's an intervention activity. If they miss something, they can go and fast forward to that section. And then 3.1, 3.2, and 3.3 are reading that uh, allows them to use a screen reader if they want to. Uh, some of it is recorded uh, with my voice if they don't even, if they, if it's enough that it's been, especially if a student requested to uh, have it available that way, because uh, some students don't like screen readers. So they do this, skip the video if they're in class, read 3.1, 3.2, and 3.3. Those are all short, about one page of text, uh, and then take the quiz. And then the, the quiz is set that they can't retake it for 10 minutes so that everyone gets it done. And I could look at that first shot and re-talk about things. Now, in the case of question number two, that was at 21%, it was directly out of the reading, and those students that skipped the reading and thought they'd take, just take the quiz are the ones that didn't get that right in this particular case. And the reading, I told them, is just as important as the, as the instruction part. They need to reference the reading in order to get all the material, because some things are emphasized in the reading more than in my class. So that's what one of them looks like. All of them can be used for blended learning activities. All my instruction can be done from home just as easy as it could be done from school. Obviously, most teachers believe, or I think everyone believes, that in-class instruction is always better than online instruction. But it's not always the case, especially in today's world. 
Some students might be on vacation, some students might be quarantined, some students might just be homesick. And I might be homesick, in which case I can just assign the, the substitute, hey, do 3-1 and 3-2, and they can watch the videos and do the activities. The only difference is I do the formative part when I come back to school, say, hey, you guys did these things, here's what we did, let's talk about this. Okay, so that's what they look like. Here's another chapter. This is chapter seven. Same thing. I have seven activities already broken out here that you can see. And the red spots are where I'll stop during my lecture or just classroom discussion. And then, boom, hey, go do uh, chapter 7.1. Again, the video is posted as well as any additional reading uh, from the online textbook, which is also posted in Moodle. Um, so before they proceed. Question types in Moodle, there's there's 20 question types or about 20 question types available in Moodle. Almost anything you can ever think of. You can integrate audio, which is what that is up there, me recording, talking, uh, and saying the question for those that are uh, limited reading students. And those can be, this is a traditional multiple choice. This is a matching that I can have all the things read other than the one word answers over here. There we go. Um, I can't have everything read to them, but most things I can have read to them in Moodle. You can have drag and drop, and I'm just showing you a couple of different uh, question types that are available uh, in there. I show this because I've had numerous uh, other teachers say, I can do everything you do in uh, Google Forms. It's not true. Uh, you can do some of the things in Google Classroom and Google Forms and integrating all the Google tools, which I'm a big Google fan, by the way. But um, those, if you integrate them all together, uh, can do about all around house, say 10% of what a full LMS can do. If your school doesn't offer anything else, that's what you have, then you do the best with what you have. But if your school is willing to put in the time to put in a free uh, open source LMS like Moodle or by Canvas or any of the other LMSs, then you'll get way more out of uh, your course, your online course, and the things you can do with it by having a more full-featured LMS. This one is a drag-and-drop, which allows you to have students label the different things, which um, the biology teacher uses it with cell definition, and there's all kinds of ways that you can use uh, these different uh, question types. So, that. LMS we use is Moodle, but the big thing is to use quizzes or online assessments to give you immediate feedback to guide short cycle formative assessments. And if you can make them blend learning activities as well, then you make that anytime, anywhere thing happen. Uh, so students that aren't with you, that are online, get the, close to the same experience as anyone else. There's some big reasons online assessments are better than normal paper assessments or just asking students in class. Uh, number one, you get the results back immediately. You can look at them immediately. You can get statistics on them immediately to give you a great idea of how, how your students are doing. Uh, by doing it, it allows that blended anywhere, anytime thing. Um, they're more interactive because I can put multimedia in my lessons or in those online assessments, as well as online simulations, there's online chemistry, there's all kinds of online tools that I can link in with online assessments. And lastly, it easily work, works into our UDL, making it more accessible for those students with um, different kinds of disabilities.
I'm a big fan of it. And by instructing with it and integrating it into your daily instruction, you really do get uh, enormous amount of feedback and the ability to modify your instruction for the class that you are in front of right now. And we know that second block may have different things they didn't understand than third block. And by using assessments like this, I can just look at the students that are in front of me, look at the ones that I just talked to and see what I need to review. Because we're not robots and we don't teach things the same every single time we go through it either. That's it for 10 Minute EdTech Teaching with Online Assessments. Hope you enjoyed this week. Thanks. <music>